Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. back to another installment of New Books and Poetry's month-long celebration of the chapbook, Chapbook of Palooza. I am your host, Jen Fitzgerald. I am really pleased to introduce our listeners to Megan Moriarty. Megan grew up in Staten Island, New York, but she currently lives in a small town in West Virginia. She earned her MFA in poetry at Virginia Tech. Her poems have appeared in Best New Poets, Indiana Review, Vinyl Poetry, Rattle, and elsewhere. She's a writer and producer for Allegheny Mountain Radio, a community radio station in the Allegheny Mountains. She's here to discuss her chapbook from the Dictionary of Living Things, Finishing Line Press 2014. Welcome, Megan. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. So let's move right into some verse. Would you please read Parade on page 19? Absolutely. Parade. Sometimes I forget that I exist, that every day is an elephant in the parade of my life. This forgetting is easy, especially because existence is so hard to think about. Its ephemeral light shows, its weak knees and escapades of the heart, its maple trees and its maple tree shadows, and its leaves explaining that to live forever would perhaps be less colorful. For those who explore, life is both exciting and terrifying. But for the sake of existing, I'd rather emphasize how excited I am. To be here on a Saturday afternoon, listening to the epitome of fall, the sky in expansive blue on a day when everyone thought it would rain, and to almost hear the engine of what will be here soon, the earth never going back, the procession ever proceeding. Thank you very much. Um, So what our listeners can't see is the pretty amazing form that you've chosen for this collection. Can you talk a little bit about how you came up with the idea? Absolutely, yeah. I ended up, the, the sort of concept behind this book was that I wanted to try to define basically what it meant to be alive, what it meant to be myself in the world. And so the form of the dictionary definition seemed like a a fun and interesting way to go about that, that project. And so every poem in this collection is sort of in the form of a dictionary definition. They're all prose poems, with the exception of one or two that are actually numbered in the way that definitions sometimes are. And every title in the collection is just one word. So I go about trying to define one word through my own experiences. Now, how did you choose the words? Oftentimes they would just come to me. Uh, A lot of them are words that I think about a lot, uh, like autumn, um, trying to think of examples. They sort of just all happened um, pretty randomly. I'm very drawn to parades. I'm very drawn to explosions and whirlwinds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so oftentimes they were, I was compelled through language to write them, but then other times I would write the poem and then go back and think about what, what sort of word was behind all these ideas that I had. Well, that's really neat. I like that idea. Um, could we get you to read another one? Sons on page four. Yes. Sons. When Carl Sagan says there are 400 billion sons in our galaxy, it's hard not to pick up the phone and call my grandma. 
To walk from my house to hers would take more than a week. I would bring an umbrella in the event that it rained and I had to sleep standing up. After that, I would want to know what she thinks of horses, whether her family had any during her childhood in Ireland. I imagine she draped a shawl around her head and tied it at her chin before walking to school. And when she took a boat to New York City years later, she held her purse firmly, her demeanor solid and graceful as a universe. I would tell her this when I arrived at her door, trying my best to explain how small and infinite we are, the light of 400 billion suns echoing off the strands of our hair. Thank you. So beyond the connections that you're making in the titles, within the poems themselves, um, there are disparate connections. So how do you craft these far-reaching poems? Like, well, what's when you sit down to do this or stand up or walk or however it may happen, <laughs> um, how do you make these, these synaptic leaps? I think it's funny you ask that because I was just thinking about Elizabeth Bishop today. And she's a poet that I relate to in a lot of ways because her poems, in, in my mind, they're sort of each poem is the story of, of thinking. And so she starts somewhere and then just sort of goes from there through this journey in her mind. And so when I sit down to write a poem, oftentimes I have one idea, but I don't really know where it's going to go next. And I allow myself to think through it and just make these leaps naturally. I guess it sort of speaks to the way my mind works, but I, I don't know. I like to, in poetry, as a reader, I like to see writing that travels. Mm-hmm. But by the time you're finished writing, reading a poem, you are dif- in a different place than where you were at the beginning. And so I try to, I try to do that with my thinking and with my writing in general. I like that you mentioned um, Elizabeth Bishop because these definitely reminded me of, you know, like the hospital waiting room, like just being pulled into the, the consciousness of the speaker and you emerge in like a completely different part of the world. You, you, you do that a lot in this collection. Um, I think it's really cool. Thank you. So uh, how long did it take to, to craft this uh, bad boy? <laughs> I would say it took approximately somewhere between one and two years where I would sit down every once in a while and come back to this. Um, and I didn't, I didn't really know where it was going to go, but by the time I had about, about 20 poems, it felt like it felt like it had sort of a, a narrative arc to it, even though the intention wasn't to necessarily tell a story. And so, yeah, it's been, all of these were written while I was in West Virginia, um, either here, living here, or then move, visiting New York, where I'm from. And uh, yeah, so it's been probably the past, it took about one to two years just during my time here in West Virginia. Did you find it easier to write about Staten Island when you were away from Staten Island? Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) I think that, that, I think a lot of people experience that, that when you're so surrounded by something, it's hard for you to get some perspective on it. So once I, once I left New York city, I got a lot of perspective on who I was then and what I was surrounded by. So I could see it from a distance. Hmm. I'm looking forward to that. I'll be leaving sometime soon, I hope. And uh, I'm interested in what Staten Island is going to look like from 300 miles away. It'll probably be terrifying. (laughs) It might be wonderful. (laughs) I doubt that. You don't know yet. So the last poem I'm going to ask you to read is Explosion, but I want you to pick one to read now. Okay. 
my goodness. Am I putting you on the spot? Should we tell everybody that I've known you since like 1987? Or should we just... <laughs> no? Okay. Um, We're not going to tell them. I'll yeah. leave that up to you. Just like you're leaving this next thing up to me. <laughs> okay, listeners, disregard my last statement. I have yes. never met this woman in my life. No. Go ahead, Miss Moriarty. Yes, okay, stranger. I'm going to choose observation. Because actually, whether you want this to be on or off the record, this is inspired by a night that I was hanging out with you. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> Observation. If a whale sings in an ocean, it makes a sound, like snow falling over New York Harbor, the ice crystals landing on the water and becoming water. How quickly we forget about our symmetry. The summer, every orange had two perfect halves. The order in which I counted the ways I loved him. Last month, an older man at the bar stool next to mine told me that tomorrow is owed to no one. The observation felt like a gift, one that had taken years of looking back to understand. Past is to present as snowflakes is to rivers. If a person looks back in a crowded room, they make a sound, like a tree falling in a forest, every resident bird singing as they build new nests. Thank you very much. I love that poem. Thanks. So, um, are you working towards another collection right now? I've got a couple of ideas circulating. I'm still very much interested in the prose form and mm-hmm. might actually explore the essay and see mm-hmm. where that kind of trying to expand on ideas and seeing seeing where I can take them. Yeah, I uh, I completely support that decision because the, what I remember of your nonfiction was uh, was. Stunning and startling, like a knife in the gut. It was great. Thank you. Let's let's take this home with um, Explosion on page 21. Okay. Explosion. When talking about the explosion of her 1978 Volkswagen Beetle, Imelda Moriarty uses the word explosion lightly. The engine caught on fire on a street in Staten Island, but nobody died and the car was not engulfed in flames. It was sh- sold shortly afterward. In October of 2011, the Tappet brothers of Car Talk wonder if cars have souls. My thought is that the burnt engine on my mother's rust orange 78 was repaired, and the car drove off into a similarly colored sunset. After surviving the explosion, Imelda married, had three daughters, and lived through two different forms of cancer. She says she doesn't know what happened afterwards, just that it happened. An unexpected sound followed by an outburst her standing on a busy street, waiting for someone to get her. My thought is that it was a sun-white day, and the cityscape became an infinite desert. Then my mother, holding her tattered hat against the wind, started walking down the highway. Thank you so much. This is one of my favorite poems you've ever written. Thanks, Jen. I love that. Well, thank you. So, um, you know, I wish we had more time, but we don't. So I want to thank you for carving out this... uh, chunk of time to spend with us and for sharing this collection with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is Jen Fitzgerald with New Books and Poetry, reminding you to support all the arts, but especially poetry. Mm-hmm.